Section 3 of The Case of Wagner, Nietzsche Contra Wagner and Selected Aphorisms by Friedrich Nietzsche, translated by Anthony M. Ludovici. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Case of Wagner. Part 9. Even in his general sketch of the action, Wagner is above all an actor. The first thing that occurs to him is a scene which is certain to produce a strong effect, a real actio, the basso relievo of attitudes, an overwhelming scene. This he now proceeds to elaborate more deeply, and out of it he draws his characters. The whole of what remains to be done follows of itself, fully in keeping with a technical economy which has no reason to be subtle. It is not Corneille's public that Wagner has to consider. It is merely the nineteenth century. Concerning the actual requirements of the stage, Wagner would have about the same opinion as any other actor of today. A series of powerful scenes, each stronger than the one that preceded it, and in between all kinds of clever nonsense. His first concern is to guarantee the effect of his work. He begins with the third act. He approves his work according to the quality of its final effect. Guided by this sort of understanding of the stage, there is not much danger of one's creating a drama unawares. Drama demands inexorable logic. But what did Wagner care about logic? Again I say it was not Corneille's public that he had to consider, but merely Germans. Everybody knows the technical difficulties before which the dramatist often has to summon all his strength and frequently to sweat his blood, the difficulty of making the plot seem necessary, and the unravelment as well, so that both are conceivable only in a certain way, and so that each may give the impression of freedom, the principle of the smallest expenditure of energy. Now the very last thing that Wagner does is to sweat blood over the plot, and on this and the unravelment he certainly spends the smallest possible amount of energy. Let anybody put one of Wagner's plots under the microscope, and I wager that he will be forced to laugh. Nothing is more enlivening than the dilemma in Tristan, unless it be that in the Meistersingers. Wagner is no dramatist. Let nobody be deceived on this point. All he did was to love the word drama. He also loved fine words. Nevertheless, in his writings, the word drama is merely a misunderstanding and a piece of shrewdness. Wagner always affected superiority in regard to the word opera, just as the word spirit is a misunderstanding in the New Testament. He was not enough of a psychologist for drama. He instinctively avoided a psychological plot. But how? By always putting idiosyncrasy in its place. Very modern, eh? Very Parisian very decadent. Incidentally, the plots that Wagner knows how to unravel with the help of dramatic inventions are of quite another kind. For example, let us suppose that Wagner requires a female voice. A whole act without a woman's voice would be impossible, but in this particular instance not one of the heroines happens to be free. What does Wagner do? He emancipates the oldest woman on earth, Erda. Step up, aged grandmama. You have got to sing. And Erda sings. Wagner's end has been achieved. Thereupon he immediately dismisses the old lady. Why on earth did you come? Off with you. Kindly go to sleep again. In short, a scene full of mythological awe, before which the Wagnerite wonders all kinds of things. But the substance of Wagner's texts, their mythical substance, their eternal substance. Question. How is this substance, this eternal substance, tested? The chemical analyst replies, translate Wagner into the real into the modern, let us be even more cruel and say into the bourgeois, 
and what will then become of them between ourselves i have tried the experiment nothing is more entertaining nothing more worthy of being recommended to a picnic party than to discuss wagner dressed in a more modern garb for instance parsifal as a candidate in divinity with a public school education the latter quite indispensable for pure foolishness what surprises await one would you believe it that wagner's heroines one and all once they have all been divested of the heroic husks are almost indistinguishable from madame bovary just as one can conceive conversely of flaubert's being well able to transform all his heroines into scandinavian or carthaginian women and then to offer them to wagner in this mythologized form as libretto indeed generally speaking wagner does not seem to have been come interested in any other problems than those which engross the little parisian decadence of to-day always five paces away from the hospital all very modern problems all problems which are at home in big cities do not doubt it have you noticed it is in keeping with this association of ideas that wagner's heroines never have any children they cannot have them the despair with which wagner tackled the problem of arranging in some way for siegfried's birth betrays how modern his feelings on this point actually were siegfried emancipated woman but not with any hope of offspring and now here is a fact which leaves us speechless parsifal is lohengrin's father however did he do it ought one at this juncture to remember that chastity works miracles wagnerus dixit princeps in castatite octoritas part ten and now just a word en passant concerning wagner's writings they are among other things a school of shrewdness the system of procedures of which wagner disposes might be applied to a hundred other cases he that hath ears to hear let him hear perhaps i may lay claim to some public acknowledgment if i put three of the most valuable of these procedures into a precise form everything that wagner cannot do is bad wagner could do much more than he does but his strong principles prevent him everything that wagner can do no one will ever be able to do after him no one has ever done before him and no one must ever do it after him wagner is godly these three propositions are the quintessence of wagner's writings the rest is merely literature not every kind of music hitherto has been in need of literature and it were well to try and discover the actual reason of this is it perhaps that wagner's music is too difficult to understand or did he fear precisely the reverse that it was too easy that people might not understand it with sufficient difficulty as a matter of fact his whole life long he did nothing but repeat one proposition that his music did not mean music alone but something more something immeasurably more not music alone no musician would speak in this way i repeat wagner could not create things as a whole he had no choice he was obliged to create things in bits with motives attitudes formulae duplications and hundreds of repetitions he remained a rhetorician in music and that is why he was at bottom forced to press this means into the foreground music can never be anything else than a means this was his theory but above all it was the only practice that lay open to him no musician however thinks in this way 
Wagner was in need of literature in order to persuade the whole world to take his music seriously, profoundly, because it meant an infinity of things. All his life he was the commentator of the idea. What does Elsa stand for? But without a doubt, Elsa is the unconscious mind of the people. When I realized this, I naturally became a thorough revolutionist. Do not let us forget that when Hegel and Schelling were misleading the minds of Germany, Wagner was still young, that he guessed, or rather fully grasped, that the only thing which Germans take seriously is the idea. That is to say, something obscure, uncertain, wonderful, that among Germans lucidity is an objection, logic a refutation. Schopenhauer rigorously pointed out the dishonesty of Hegel's and Schelling's age, rigorously, but also unjustly, for he himself, the pessimistic old counterfeiter, was in no way more honest than his more famous contemporaries. But let us move morality out of the question. Hegel is a matter of taste, not only of Germans, but of European taste, a taste which Wagner understood, which he felt equal to, which he was immortalized. All he did was apply it to music. He invented a style for himself, which might mean an infinity of things. He was Hegel's heir, music as idea. And how well Wagner was understood. The same kind of man who used to gush over Hegel, now gushes over Wagner. In his school they even write Hegelian. But he who understood Wagner best was the German youthlet. The two words infinity and meaning were sufficient for this. The sound the youthlet immediately began to feel exceptionally happy. Wagner did not conquer these boys with music, but with the idea. It is the enigmatical vagueness of his art, its game of hide-and-seek amid a hundred symbols, its polychromy in ideals, which leads and lures the lads. It is Wagner's genius for forming clouds. He sweeps and swoops through the air, his ubiquity and nullibiety, precisely the same qualities with which Hegel led and lured in his time. Moreover, in the presence of Wagner's multifariousness, plenitude and arbitrariness, they seemed to themselves justified, saved. Tremulously they listened, while the great symbols in his art seemed to make themselves heard from out the misty distance with a gentle roll of thunder, and they are not at all displeased if at times it gets a little grey, gruesome and cold. Were they not one and all, like Wagner himself, on quite intimate terms with bad weather, with German weather? Wotan is their god, but Wotan is the god of bad weather. They are right. How could these German youths, in their present condition, miss what we others, we Halcyonians, miss in Wagner, i.e. a Gaia Scienza, light feet, wit, fire, grave, grand logic, stellar dancing, wanton intellectuality, the vibrating light of the self, a calm sea, perfection. Part 11. I have mentioned the sphere to which Wagner belongs, certainly not to the history of music. What, however, does he mean, historically? The rise of the actor in music, a momentous event which not only leads me to think, but also to fear. In a word, Wagner and Liszt, never yet have the uprightness and genuineness of musicians been put to such a dangerous test. It is glaringly obvious. Great success, mob success, is no longer the achievement of the genuine. 
in order to get it a man must be an actor victor hugo and richard wagner they both prove one and the same thing that in declining civilizations wherever the mob is allowed to decide genuineness becomes superfluous prejudicial unfavourable the actor alone can still kindle a great enthusiasm and thus it is his golden age which is now dawning his and that of all those who are in any way related to him with drums and fifes wagner marches at the head of all artists in declamation in display and virtuosity he began by convincing the conductors of orchestras the scene shifters and stage singers not to forget the orchestra he delivered them from monotony the movement that wagner created has spread even to the land of knowledge whole sciences pertaining to music are rising slowly out of centuries of scholasticism as an example of what i mean let me point more particularly to riemann's services to rhythmics he was the first who called attention to the leading idea in punctuation even for music unfortunately he did so with a bad word he called it phrasing all these people and i say it with gratitude are the best the most respectable among wagner's admirers they have a perfect right to honour wagner the same instinct unites them with one another in him they recognise their highest type and since he has inflamed them with his own ardour they feel themselves transformed into power even into great power in this quarter if anywhere wagner's influence has really been beneficent never before has there been so much thinking willing and industry in this sphere wagner endowed all these artists with a new conscience what they now exact and obtain from themselves they had never exacted before wagner's time before then they had been too modest another spirit prevails on the stage since wagner rules there the most difficult things are expected blame is severe praise very scarce the good and the excellent have become the rule taste is no longer necessary not even is a good voice wagner is sung only with ruined voices this has a more dramatic effect even talent is out of the question expressiveness at all costs which is what the wagnerian ideal the ideal of decadence demands is hardly compatible with talent all that is required for this is virtue that is to say in training automatism self-denial neither taste voices nor gifts wagner's stage requires but one thing germans the definition of a german an obedient man with long legs there is deep significance in the fact that the rise of wagner should have coincided with the rise of the empire both phenomena are a proof of one and the same thing obedience and long legs never have people been more obedient never have they been so well ordered about the conductors of wagnerian orchestras more particularly are worthy of an age which posterity will one day call with timid awe the classical age of war wagner understood how to command in this respect too he was a great teacher he commanded as a man who had exercised an inexorable will over himself as one who had practised lifelong discipline wagner was perhaps the greatest example of self-violence in the whole of the history of art even alfieri who in other respects is his next of kin is outdone by him the note of a torinese part twelve the view that our actors have become more worthy of respect than heretofore does not imply that i believe them to have become less dangerous but who is in any doubt as to what i want as to what the three requisitions are concerning which my wrath 
and my care and love of art have made me open our mouth on this occasion that the stage should not become master of the arts that the actor should not become the corrupter of the genuine that music should not become an art of lying friedrich nietzsche postscript the gravity of these last words allows me at this point to introduce a few sentences out of an unprinted essay which will at least leave no doubt as to my earnestness in regard to this question the title of this essay is what wagner has cost us one pays dearly for having been a follower of wagner even today a vague feeling that this is so still prevails even wagner's success his triumph did not uproot this feeling thoroughly but formerly it was strong it was terrible it was a gloomy hate throughout almost three quarters of wagner's life the resistance which he met with among us germans cannot be too highly valued or too highly honoured people guarded themselves against him as against an illness not with arguments it is impossible to refute an illness but with obstruction with mistrust with repugnance with loathing with sombre earnestness as though he were a great rampant danger the aesthetes gave themselves away when out of three schools of german philosophy they waged an absurd war against wagner's principles ifs and fors what did he care about principles even his own the germans themselves had enough instinct good sense to dispense with every if and for in this matter and instinct is weakened when it becomes conscious for by becoming conscious it makes itself feeble if there were any signs that in spite of the universal character of european decadence there was still a modicum of health still an instinctive premonition of what is harmful and dangerous residing in the german soul then it would be precisely this blunt resistance to wagner which i should least like to see underrated it does us honour it gives us some reason to hope france no longer has such an amount of health at her disposal the germans these loiterers par excellence as history shows are to-day the most backward among the civilised nations of europe this has its advantages for they are thus relatively the youngest one pays dearly for having been a follower of wagner it is only quite recently that the germans have overcome a sort of dread of him the desire to be rid of him occurred to them again and again does anybody remember a very curious occurrence in which quite unexpectedly towards the end this old feeling once more manifested itself it happened at wagner's funeral the first wagner society the one in munich laid a wreath on his grave with this inscription which immediately became famous salvation to the saviour everybody admired the lofty aspiration which had dictated this inscription as also the taste which seemed to be the privilege of the followers of wagner many also however it was singular enough made the slight alteration in it salvation from the saviour people began to breathe again one pays dearly for having been a follower of wagner let us try to estimate the influence of this worship upon culture whom did this movement press to the front what did it make ever more and more preeminent in the first place the layman's arrogance the arrogance of the art maniac now these people are organizing societies they wish to make their taste prevail they even wish to pose as judges in rebus musicus et musicantibus secondly 
an ever-increasing indifference towards severe, noble and conscientious schooling in the service of art, in its place the belief in genius, or in plain English, cheeky dilettantism. The formula for this is to be found in the Meistersons. Thirdly, and this is the worst of all, theatocracy, the craziness of a belief in the preeminence of the theatre, and the right of the theatre to rule supreme over the arts, over art in general. But this should be shouted into the face of Wagnerites a hundred times over, that the theatre is something lower than art, something secondary, something coarsened, above all, something suitably disordorted and falsified for the mob. In this respect, Wagner alters nothing. By right is grand opera, and not even good opera. The stage is a form of a demolatory in the realm of taste. The stage is an insurrection of the mob, a plebiscite against good taste. The case of Wagner proves this fact. He captivated the masses, he depraved taste, he even perverted our taste for opera. One pays dearly for having been a follower of Wagner. What is Wagner worship made out of spirit? Does Wagner liberate the spirit? To him belong that ambiguity and equivocation and all other qualities which can convince the uncertain without making them conscious of why they have been convinced. In this sense, Wagner is a seducer on a grand scale, who is nothing exhausted, nothing effete, nothing dangerous to life, nothing that slanders the world in the realm of spirit, which has not secretly found shelter in his art. He conceals the blackest obscurantism in the luminous orbs of the ideal. He flatters every nihilistic, buddhistic instinct and togs it out in music. He flatters every form of Christianity, every religious expression of decadence. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear everything that has ever grown out of the soil of impoverished life, the whole counterfeit coinage of the transcendental and of a beyond found its most sublime advocate in Wagner's art, not in formulae. Wagner is too clever to use formulae, but in the persuasion of the senses, which in their turn makes the spirit weary and morbid. Music in the form of Circe. In this respect, his last work is his greatest masterpiece. In the art of seduction, Parsifal will forever maintain its rank as a stroke of genius. I admire this work. I would fain have composed it myself. Wagner was never better inspired than towards the end. The subtlety with which beauty and disease are united here reaches such a height but it casts, so to speak, a shadow upon all Wagner's earlier achievements. It seems too bright, too healthy. Do you understand this? Health and brightness acting like a shadow, almost like an objection. To this extent are we already pure fools. Never was there a greater master in heavy, hieratic perfumes. Never on earth has there been such a connoisseur of paltry infinities of all that thrills, of extravagant excesses, of all the feminism from out of the vocabulary of happiness. My friends do but drink the filters of this art. 
Nowhere will ye find a more pleasant method of enervating your spirit, of forgetting your manliness in the shade of a rosebush. Ah, this old magician, mightiest of clingsaws, how he wages war against us with his art, against us free spirits, how he appeals to every form of cowardice of the modern soul with his charming girlish notes. There never was such a mortal hatred of knowledge. One must be a very cynic in order to resist seduction here. One must be able to bite in order to resist worshipping at this shrine. Very well, old seducer, the cynic cautions you. Cave canem. One pays dearly for having been a follower of Wagner. I contemplate the youthlets who have long been exposed to his infection. The first relatively innocuous effect of it is the corruption of their taste. Wagner acts like chronic recourse to the bottle. He stultifies, he befouls the stomach. His specific effect, degeneration of the feeling for rhythm. What the Wagnerite calls rhythmical is what I call, to use a Greek metaphor, stirring a swamp. Much more dangerous than all this, however, is the corruption of ideas. The youthlet becomes a mooncalf, an idealist. He stands above science, and in this respect he has reached the master's heights. On the other hand, he assumes the airs of a philosopher who writes for the Bayreuth Journal. He solves all problems in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Master. But the most ghastly thing of all is the deterioration of the nerves. Let anyone wander through a large city at night. In all directions he will hear people doing violence to instruments with solemn rage and fury. A wild uproar breaks out at intervals. What is happening? It is the disciples of Wagner in the act of worshipping him. Bayreuth is another word for hydro. A typical telegram from Bayreuth would read, Bereits Bereuth, I already repent. Wagner is bad for young men. He is fatal for women. What medically speaking is a female Wagnerite? It seems to me that a doctor could not be too serious in putting this alternative of conscience to young women, either one thing or the other, but they have already made their choice. You cannot serve two masters, and one of these is Wagner. Wagner redeemed woman, and in returning woman built Bayreuth for him. Every sacrifice, every surrender, there was nothing that they were not prepared to give him. Woman impoverishes herself in favour of the master. She becomes quite touching. She stands naked before him. The female Wagnerite, the most attractive equivocality that exists today. She is the incarnation of Wagner's cause. His cause triumphs with her as its symbol. Ah, this old robber, he robs our young men, he even robs our women as well, and drags them to his cell. Ah, this old minotaur, what has he not already cost us? Every year processions of the finest young men and maidens are led into his labyrinth, that he may swallow them up. Every year the whole of Europe cries out, Away to Crete! Away to Crete! Second Postscript it seems to me that my letter is open to some misunderstanding. On certain faces I see the expression of gratitude. I even hear modest but merry laughter. I prefer to be here understood here as in other things. But since a certain animal, the worm of empire, the famous Rhinoxera, has become lodged in the vineyards of the German spirit, nobody any longer understands a word I say. The Kreuz Zeitung has brought this home to me, not to speak of the literische 
Zentralblatt, I had given the Germans the deepest books that they have ever possessed, a sufficient reason for their not having understood a word of them. If in this essay I declare war against Wagner, and incidentally against a certain form of German taste, if I seem to use strong language about the cretinism of Bayreuth, it must not be supposed that I am in the least anxious to glorify any other musician. Other musicians are not to be considered by the side of Wagner. Things are generally bad. Decay is universal. Disease lies at the very root of things. If Wagner's name represents the ruin of music, just as Benini stands for the ruin of sculpture, it is not on that account its cause. All he did was to accelerate the fall. Though we are quite prepared to admit that he did it in a way which makes one recoil with horror from this almost instantaneous decline and fall to the depths. He possessed the ingenuousness of decadence, this constituted his superiority. He believed in it, he did not halt before any of its logical consequences. The others hesitated, that is their distinction, they have no other. What is common to both Wagner and the others consists in this, the decline of all organising power, the abuse of traditional means, without the capacity of the aim that would justify this. The counterfeit imitation of grand forms, for which nobody nowadays is strong, proud, self-reliant and healthy enough, excessive vitality in small details, passion at all costs, refinement as an expression of impoverished life ever more nerves in the place of muscle. I know only one musician who today would be able to compose an overture as an organic whole. Nobody else knows him. He, who is famous now, does not write better music than Wagner, but only less characteristic, less definite music. Less definite because half-measures, even in decadence, cannot stand by the side of complete but Wagner was complete. Wagner represented thorough corruption. Wagner has had the courage, the will and conviction for corruption. What does Johannes Brahms matter? It was his good fortune to be misunderstood by Germany. He was taken to be an antagonistic of Wagner. People required an antagonist. But he did not write necessary music. Above all, he wrote too much music. When one is not rich, one should at least have enough pride to be poor. The sympathy which he and there was meted out to Brahms, apart from party interests and party misunderstandings, was for a long time a riddle to me, until one day, through an accident almost, I discovered that he affected a particular type of man. He has the melancholy of impotence. His creations are not the result of plenitude. He thirsts after abundance. Apart from what he plagiarizes, from what he borrows from ancient or exotically modern styles, he is a master in the art of copying. There remains, as his most individual quality, a longing. And this is what the dissatisfied of all kinds and all those who yearn divine in him. He is much too little of a personality, too little of a central figure, impersonal. Those who are not self-centred love him for this. He is especially the musician of a species of dissatisfied women. Fifty steps further on, and we find the female Wagnerite. Just as we find Wagner himself, fifty paces ahead of Brahms, 
female Wagnerite is a more definite, a more interesting, and above all a more attractive type. Brahms is so touching so long as he dreams or mourns over himself in private. In this respect he is modern. He becomes cold. We no longer feel at one with him when he poses as the child of the classics. People like to call Brahms Beethoven's heir. I know of no more cautious euphemism. All that which today makes a claim to being the grand style in music is on precisely that account either false to us or false to itself. This alternative is suspicious enough. In itself it contains a causistic question concerning the value of the two cases. The instinct of the majority protests against the alternative, false to us. We do not wish to be cheated, and I myself would certainly always prefer this type to the other, false to itself. This is my taste. Expressed more clearly for the sake of the poor in spirit, it amounts to this, Brahms or Wagner. Brahms is not an actor. A very great part of other musicians may be summed up in the concept of Brahms. I do not wish to say anything about the clever apes of Wagner, as for instance, Goldmark. When one has the Queen of Sheba to one's name, one belongs to a menagerie. One ought to put oneself on show. Nowadays all things that can be done well, and even with a master hand, are small. In this department alone is honesty still possible. Nothing, however, can cure music as a whole of its chief fault, of its fate, which is to be the expression of general physiological contradiction, which is in fact to be modern. The best instruction, the most conscientious schooling, the most thorough familiarity, yea, and even isolation with the old masters, all this only acts as a palliative, or more strictly speaking, has but an illusory effect, because the first condition of the right thing is no longer in our bodies, whether this first condition be the strong race of a handle, or the overflowing animal spirits of a racine. Not everyone has the right to every teacher, and this holds good of whole epochs. In itself it is not impossible that there are still remains of stronger natures, typical unadapted men somewhere in Europe, from this quarter the advent of a somewhat belated form of beauty and perfection, even in music might still be hopeful, but the most that we can expect to see are exceptional cases. From the rule that corruption is paramount, that corruption is a fatality, that even a god can save music. Epilogue and now let us take breath and withdraw a moment from this narrow world, which necessarily must be narrow, because we have to make inquiries relative to the value of persons. The philosopher feels that he wants to wash his hands after he has concerned himself so long with the case of Wagner. I shall now give my notion of what is modern. According to the measure of energy of every age, there is also a standard that determines which virtues shall be allowed and which forbidden. The age either has the virtues of ascending life, in which case it resists the virtues of degeneration with all its deepest instincts, or it is in itself an age of degeneration, in which case it requires the virtues of declining life, in which case it hates everything that justifies itself, solely as being the outcome of a plenitude or a superabundance of strength. Aesthetic is inextricably bound up with these biological principles, a 
there is decadent aesthetic and classical aesthetic. Beauty in itself is just as much a chimera as any other kind of idealism. Within the narrow sphere of the so-called moral values, no greater antithesis could be found than that of master morality and the morality of Christian valuations, the latter having grown out of a thoroughly morbid soil. The Gospels present us with the same physiological types as do the novels of Dostoevsky. The master morality, Roman, pagan, classical, renaissance, on the other hand, being a symbolic speech of well-constitutedness, of ascending life, and of the will to power as a vital principle. Master morality affirms, just as instinctively as Christian morality denies, God beyond self-denial, all of the negations. The first reflects its plenitude upon things. It transfigures, it embellishes, it rationalises the world. The latter impoverishes, bleaches, mars the value of things. It suppresses the world. World is a Christian term of abuse. These antithetical forms in the optics of values are both necessary. They are different points of view which cannot be circumvented either with arguments or counter-arguments. One cannot refute Christianity. It is impossible to refute a diseased eyesight. That people should have combated pessimism as if it had been a philosophy was the very acme of learned stupidity. Concepts true and untrue do not seem to me to have any sense in optics. That alone which has to be guarded against is a falsity, the instinctive duplicity which would fain regard this antithesis as no antithesis at all, just as Wagner did, and his mastery in this kind of falseness was of no mean order. To cast sidelong glances at master morality, at noble morality. Icelandic saga is perhaps the greatest documentary evidence of these values. At the same time, to have the opposite teaching, the gospel of the lowly, the doctrine of the need of salvation on one's lips. Incidentally, I admire the modesty of Christians who go to Bayreuth. As for myself, I could not endure to hear the sound of certain words on Wagner's lips. There are some concepts which are too good for Bayreuth. What Christianity adjusted for female Wagnerites, perhaps by female Wagnerites, for in his latter days Wagner was thoroughly feminine generis. Again I say the Christians of today are too modest for me. If Wagner were a Christian, then perhaps Liszt was a father of the church. The need of salvation, the quintessence of all Christian needs, has nothing in common with such clowns. It is the most straightforward expression of decadence. It is the most convincing and most painful affirmation of decadence in sublime symbols and practices. The Christian wishes to be rid of himself. Le moi est toujours assable. Noble morality, master morality, on the other hand, is rooted in a triumphant saying of yea to oneself. It is the self-affirmation and self-glorification of life. It also requires sublime symbols and practices, but only because its heart is too full. The whole of beautiful art and of great art belongs here. Their common essence is gratitude. But we must allow it a certain instinctive repugnance to decadence and a scorn and horror of the latter's symbolism. Such things almost prove it. 
the noble romans considered christianity as a fida superstitio let me call to your minds the feelings which the last german of noble taste goethe had in regard to the cross it is idle to look for more valuable more necessary contrasts but the kind of falsity which is characteristic of the Bayreuthians is not exceptional today. We all know the hybrid concept of the Christian gentleman. This innocence and contradiction, this clean conscience and falsehood, is rather modern par excellence. With it modernity is almost defined. Biologically, modern man represents a contradiction of values. He sits between two stools. He says yea and nay in one breath. No wonder that it is precisely in our age that falseness itself became flesh and blood, and even genius. No wonder Wagner dwelt among us. It was not without reason that I called Wagner the Cagliostro of modernity. But all of us, though we do not know it, involuntarily have values, words, formulae and morals in our bodies, which are quite antagonistic in their origin, regarded from a physiological standpoint. We are false. How would a diagnosis of the modern soul begin? With a determined incision into this agglomeration of contradictory instincts, with a total suppression of its antagonistic values, with a vivisection applied to its most instructive case. To philosophers, the case of Wagner is a windfall. This essay, as you observe, was inspired by gratitude. End of section three. End of the case of Wagner.